Lord, I pray that that would be our, just our heart song, Father God. And Lord, I was just thinking of how much you love us and how much you pour into us and how much you, you just never stop loving us, Lord. You never stop pursuing us. You never stop searching us out, Lord. And I thank you for that, Father. And all we can do is love you in return, love you with all of our heart, love you with all of our mind, love you with all of our strength, as Deuteronomy says to do. So, Lord, I just pray that we would all just lay down the concerns, the worries, the distractions of this morning and just focus our eyes and our hearts on you, Lord. Take over, Lord, whatever area in our life right now that we need you most, Lord. You know what that is, Father God. And I pray that you would see your children where they are, Lord. And that you would meet their needs, Lord Jesus. You, for we've sung that you don't stop. We've sung that you make a way. So, Lord, I just pray now that through our words now we would believe that which we've spoken and that you would manifest yourself in those areas today, Lord Jesus, on our behalf. Lord, we just give you the praise. Lord, I give you the glory. Lord, I give you honor in this place this morning. I pray that you would be with our pastor. Lord, as you bring forth, as he brings forth the word, Lord, and you're using him as a mighty vessel, mighty instrument, Lord, to proclaim the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would just bless him this morning, Lord. And we give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, just a few announcements, church. This Thursday at 7 p.m., uh, you ladies are all welcomed to my home. We are going to be continuing our women's Bible study. We meet once a month on a Thursday, the, the third Thursday of the month, which will be this week. So I encourage you all to come out. If you need directions, let me know if, if whatever's on your heart, just come and talk to me because I'd love to see you there. And then um, this Saturday, our youth are also going to be going to um, Night of Champions. So keep them in prayer for that and our youth pastors as well. And then um, on the 13th, mark your calendars because we're going to be going out and just outpouring into our local areas here and inviting people to come for our Easter service. And um, the Lord placed a song on my heart, I want to say before Christmas, maybe. And, um, and I shared it with Liz. And then um, the Lord said, share it with Candace. So Candace, Liz, and myself are going to be doing a special Easter dance that morning for worship. So um, pray for us as well. <laughs> that God just continue to bring everything back to memory. Amen. And then... Um, we're still collecting eggs for the kiddos because we want to be able to bless the kiddos with eggs and candy and, and all that uh, good sugary stuff um, for that Easter day. So start, you know, just reaching out to your, your friends, your family members, um, whoever you come in contact at the grocery store, at the gas station. You know, it may just be a person that you never know. God is going to put them on your heart and they've been wanting to go to church and they just needed that invitation. Amen. So um, we're, 
looking forward to see what God is going to do. Amen. So just take a few moments and uh, greet each other. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? All right. Let's go before the Father in prayer as we take up our tithes and offering. And um, remember, um, Joyce, she's out of town. She's ministering up north. And I uh, want to remember her in prayer. Uh, Francis Rotonda is also not doing very well in terms of health. So remember her. Uh, remember Daylene as she uh, is recovering. And um, let's just have a word of prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for the ability to meet in this place, Heavenly Father. And thank you for your presence that's here, Lord. I thank you for each individual that's here, Heavenly Father. I ask you right now, Lord, that you just speak to us, Heavenly Father, through your word, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord, just to use me as a vessel to bring forth your glory and what you want to be said today, Lord. I ask you, Heavenly Father, allow us to encourage us, Heavenly Father, and, uh, and be with the ones that are not here, Lord. You know why they're not here, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord, for the ones that are ailing in health, Lord. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to be with them, Lord, and, and, and heal their body, Heavenly Father, so they can rejoin us again, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Heavenly Father, just to be with us today, Heavenly Father, as we dive into your word, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for the tithes and offering that we are about to receive, Lord, and I just ask you just to um, uh, let it be a blessing, Heavenly Father. We're blessed to, to bless others, Heavenly Father. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you multiply each one the gift and the giver according to your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. All righty. So, uh, really, just a quick announcement. Um, I finally touched on it about Easter. We ordered a thousand flyers. Thousand color flyers, the four by nine flyers, and so we're going to need um, help passing those out on a Saturday morning. Also, just throughout the week, once those come in, they should be in probably uh, in the next week or two weeks. And uh, a thousand households, and uh, and so to piggyback off of that, um, we don't know uh, uh, how many kids to anticipate, you know, for the Easter egg. Um, but uh, uh, if you can, give you know, get some candy, some eggs, whatever. Um, because that's a draw in because the kids are here. We got the parents here. We got the whole family here And that's what we're called to do. Amen So this morning we're gonna be looking at prayer again and this morning my sermon is titled passionate prayer This morning we're gonna continue looking at prayer and, and last week we looked at the approaching how to approach God in Prayer and we looked at Luke 11 and if you were here if you weren't here We learned last week that we must approach God with what boldness we must approach God with patience we must be persistent, and we must approach God with a, with, with a, a trust, like a, a, a child would trust their, their, um, their father, a loving father, amen? And this morning, we're going to look at passion in prayer. And in life, we all have passion for many different activities. You know, I, I had passion growing up in basketball, and I still do, and I'm still involved with that. Uh, my son is th that way as well. Uh, we have passions for all types of things in life. Passion is defined as this, strong and barely control, controllable emotion, an intense desire or enthusiasm to do something. And it's kind of a side note here, but if you Google define passion, that definition will come up, and another definition will come up. And this is just an extra freebie here. That definition, which is pretty amazing, is the suffering and death of Jesus. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? That's a Google's definition. Second definition of, pas of passion is the suffering and death of Jesus. And passion is an, an intense desire or enthusiasm to do something. We should have passion in our lives. We should have passion for our spouse. I have passion for my, my, my wife. I love her, and hopefully she has passion for me, right? I have passion for our, you know, my ministry, and, and I, we have passion for different things in, in, in life. We have passion for, for living a healthy lifestyle. We have all these things that we have passion for. 
But when it comes to God, we need to have passion. We need to have intensity when it comes to God. If we have passion, what do we do? We do it well. Why do we do it well? Because we like it, right? That's why we do it well. Amen? And, 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 but when it comes to God, what happens to our passion? What happens to our desire? What happens to our, 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 our intense desire, our enthusiasm when it comes to God? Or not only God, but what happens when we go to God in prayer? What happens to our enthusiasm in prayer? What happens to our passion in prayer? If we think about it for a second, I want you to think about this. You have the ability to speak to God. Who is God? He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the creator of you and me. He is the creator of everything that we see. And we have the ability to speak to God. I want you to think about it for a second. If you had an issue in the city of Fontana or a concern or something, and you went across the street to City Hall, and you made your plea known to the City Hall, the City Council, the mayor's office, would you come in there with a lack of passion or a lack of zeal? You wouldn't. Why? Because you would come with passion, knowing that with your concern being heard, they have the ability across the street at City Hall to make an issue be resolved if you have an issue in the city of Fontana, right? So you would come to that city council with passion, letting your request be known because you know the people who you're pleading with have what? The authority to do something. But when it comes to God, I think we don't view him that way. We don't view God as, as the one who has all the authority. And so when we come to him, we, our passion is lacking. Or sometimes I wouldn't say our passion is lacking sometimes, or sometimes it is. But, but it's, it's a mundane. It's I'm coming to God because I have to come to God. We don't look at God as the Alpha or the Omega. We don't look at God as the creator. We don't look at God as the authoritarian that has the authority to do something in our lives. And we lack our passion in our prayer. Amen? And I believe when we come to God, we come to that mentality of I'm praying because I have to. Or, I'm praying because I should pray. And we view that sometimes, I tithe because I have to tithe. Or, or I'm, I'm in ministry because I, 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 I volunteered my time, and so I have to be ministry. I have to show up, or I have to do this, or do that. The Bible tells us we don't have to do anything. But let me tell you this. We should want to do it. Amen? Our attitude shouldn't be, I have to. Our attitude should be, I get to. I get to go before the Father in prayer who has the authority over everything. You ever thought about that? I, I get to go before the Father in prayer and speak to the Father who knows my heart, who knows and understands my inner being, who's created me with, in his image with a purpose. And I get to go before God who has control over everything. Our attitude should be, I, I, it shouldn't be I have to. Our attitude should be, I get to. I get to pray because I get to pray and I, have, and I have a connection with God. Because I have that connection with God, I should have passion when I go before my Father in prayer. Amen? One of the things the early church, we're looking at Acts, Acts chapter 12 today. And one of the things the early church did very, very well was they prayed. They seek God. They prayed about everything. 
And this morning we're going to be looking at just a glimpse of Acts chapter 12, the first 16 verses. And throughout the book of Acts, almost in every single chapter, uh, we see that the early church did what? They prayed. And did they just pray and just say a quick prayer? No, they prayed with passion. Amen. And because they prayed with passion, they were able to see God move in their lives. And today we're going to look at Peter being locked up in jail. And because Peter and the church prayed with passion, we see that God moved in the life of Peter and he, and he moved in the life of the early church. There's five aspects I want you to see this morning regarding passion and prayer. Verse 1 says this. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some, of, uh, some who belonged to the church. Intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, put to death in the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And verse 4 says this. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handling him over to, the guard, to be guarded by four squads of the soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out of the public trial after the Passover. But verse 5 says... So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God, to God for him. I apologize for the small uh, print. I think I had an issue last night, and it dawns on me now, with, uh, with um, uh, uh, forma formatting. And uh, I went back and forth, and I was looking at slides, and I don't think I went back and formatted those. So uh, my apologies if they're all like that, because they may be. But the number one thing I want you to see is passion in prayer has power. Passionate prayer has power. Amen? Passionate prayer has power. And so we see that the king arrested some of the members of the early church. And, and John, the brother of James, uh, uh, was just put to death by the sword. So King Herod was, was, was a people pleaser. And what did he do? He went out and he, and he, and he grabbed uh, a, a Peter and he arrested Peter. And he had plans to persecute Peter right after Passover. And it was believed that, that Peter was the next one to die, just like, just like uh, 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 James. Peter was in prison, and, and, and it was watched by four soldiers. The king placed four soldiers to watch uh, uh, because previously, in, in chapter 5, the apostles did what? They escaped from prison. Not because they escaped from prison themselves, but God allowed them to walk out of the prison walls. And so the church, what does the church do? We see in verse 5, they did what? They interceded on behalf of Peter. It looked like a hopeless situation. However, the early church knew the power of prayer. And they knew that the prayer could change things. Amen? Nothing was too difficult and nothing is too difficult for our Father when we go to our Father in prayer. And the church begins to pray for Peter and they pray with passion. Verse 5 tells us, it says, uh, they, they, they were earnestly praying. Earnestly. It's not a, 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 a term we use very often, earnestly nowadays. But earnestly, what earnestly means is this, with sincere and intense conviction. Seriously, they had intense conviction. They were praying earnestly. They were serious in their prayer for their brother, Peter, who was in jail. 
And the word picture here is, is someone stretching all, all they can in something. It's giving all that they had. They're, they're, they're going all out with all their emotion and, and, and everything about them. Going in on prayer, passion and prayer for their brother Peter. The Greek verb here is, is ektonis, means earnestly, fervently, intensely. And ektonis also is related to uh, ektenis. A medical term described the stretching of a muscle to its limits. Luke's uses the same kind of, uh, of word, the Greek word there, um, as he did when, uh, when he described Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying. And he was praying with passion because he was going to be crucified the next day. And he was going before God with passion. And if there's another way, Lord, make it happen, but if not, your will be done. Same kind of thing the church was doing just like Jesus did. The early church was praying with great passion for uh, for Peter. And praying lacks power because it lacks earnestness. There is power in prayer. Can I get an amen on that? There is power in prayer. If you don't believe me, start praying for something and continue praying with it earnestly with passion. And something's going to happen in that situation. And if you don't believe me, just, just do it and see what happens. Amen? The early church was praying with great passion for Peter. See, we want God to care about something that we wholeheartedly really sometimes don't care about. See, we want, we want God to show us this passion and we want God to do all these things in our life. But when we go before God, we go with like a, like a dull knife. You know, we can't, we can't cut anything being dull. And our prayer sometimes, sometimes I, 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 even mine, I'm like, Lord, you know what? That's not really a... That's not really passion in my prayer. I'm just, just going through the rigor mode. I'm just praying just because that's what I do today. And, and, and God's saying, no, I, we want passion in our prayer. Amen? We want passion in, our, in, 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 in going before the God, uh, before God in prayer. We want earnest, uh, earnestness. Is, is power, uh, 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 earnest prayer has power. Amen? Earnest prayer has power. Passion in prayer has power. John 15, 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 7. Amen. If we, pay, if we pray passionately about the things of God, we can ask whatever we wish because our wish will be his heart. Let me tell you this. James 5, 16. Out of the Amplified Version. It says this. Does the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working? Let me read that one more time. The earnest, what is earnest again? It's, it's a sincere and intense conviction. It's seriously, right? The earnest, the serious, the heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man who is righteous. We are. Not from anything we've done, but because what he has done, right? Say, okay, you got that? Man makes tremendous power available. What makes tremendous power available? It is the earnest prayer that makes tremendous power available. And so when we go before the Father in prayer, we're making our, 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 our request and we're going before him and he's going to give, provide us power in a situation if we come earnestly, seriously, passionately before the throne room of heaven. Amen? 
That's awesome. I love that amplified version. Forever righteous man makes tremendous power available. Amen? Where does power come from? It's from passionate prayer. Second thing I want you to see in verse 6. It says, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. The second thing I want you to see about passion and prayer is it brings peace. It brings peace. Passion and prayer brings peace. Peter was going to be executed the next day. He was going to be executed the next day. And where do we find Peter at? Asleep. How can he sleep when he was going to be killed the next day? How can he sleep? Think about it. How can he sleep when he has two men chained to him, one on each side of him, and then he has two others staring at him from outside the cell? How can he sleep at a time like that? You know why? Because of peace. Amen. He was able to sleep in the midst of all the chaos because of peace. How did he receive peace? It was through passionate prayer that he received peace that allowed him to have, have, have peace to sleep in the midst of chaos. See, the Bible doesn't tell us that Peter was praying, but I tell you what, it was Peter. You know he was praying. The Bible doesn't have to be exactly what Peter prayed. You know what? I guarantee you, he was in jail, he was sitting there, and he was probably sitting there tied up, and he was, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you are going to do it. For your glory, it's going to happen. I'm going to be either set free, or I'm going to die. But regardless of what happens, I'm going to continue praising you, and I'm going to continue worshiping you, and I bet you believe he was passionate in his prayer because he needed something to happen, amen? And I can guarantee you it wasn't a dull prayer. It was a passionate prayer that he prayed. But I'm going to go a step further, too. It was also the church that was praying for him, we found out in verse 5, earnestly praying for him, that provided him peace in the situation where he was tied up, and he was uh, tied up to these, these soldiers, and these soldiers staring at him. It was the prayers of the church that provided peace also for him as well. Amen? Passion and prayer brings peace to our situation. How does it bring peace? Because God hears us. Amen? God hears us. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, out of the New Living Translation, says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what? Nothing. Anything at all. Don't worry about it. It's hard. To, we're worrier. We worry. We worry. Right? We always worry. But the Bible tells us, and this is probably the hardest thing that, that, that we can do, is don't worry about it. But it said instead what? What do we do instead? We pray about what? Everything. We pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And how do we do that? By prayer. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done, which is part of what? Prayer, right? Verse 7 says, then you will experience God's peace. You experience God's peace when? When you go before the Father in prayer. You get that? Passionate prayer results in peace. Tells us right there. It says, which, uh, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. How can Peter sit in the jail cell 
So he's tied up to two soldiers. But two soldiers looking at him, be in peace because of passion and prayer. He took his worry and didn't worry about it. And he went before the Father in prayer and told God what, 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 what he needed. And, and God provided him peace in the midst of a chaotic situation. And it all started with what? Passionate prayer. Amen? Passionate prayer. If we go before God in prayer, we then will experience his peace that is we will never understand but it's a peace that's inside of us a calmness a assurance a, 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 a not not worry but of confidence knowing god we serve amen the third thing i want us to see in verse 7 he says suddenly an angel of the lord appeared and a light shone in the cell he struck peter on the side and woke him up quick get up he said and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. What happened to the chains? They fell off from Peter's wrists. It was because Peter was so skinny that he just slipped out of the chains? I don't think so. These things were on him, and the chains just automatically unclipped and fell off from his wrists. The third thing I want you to see about passion and prayer, and this is, this is, this is awesome. Passion and prayer sets the captives free. Someone say that with me. Passion in prayer sets the captives free. See, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. Suddenly there was a light in the cell, right? And light dispels the darkness and the, the cell was lit up. And he tells Peter, you know, maybe he slapped him beside his head and said, boy, get up, right? He, he was at peace. He was dead asleep. He told him, get up. And what happened to the chains? They fall off of Peter's arms and wrists. And how do they fall off? I guarantee you it's not a guard saying, hey, I got the keys right here. You want me to unlock it? Wasn't that, you know? It, what it was, was the angel showed up. And how did the angel show up? Because Peter was the cool guy? No, the angel didn't show up because Peter was the cool guy. The angel showed up through passion and prayer on behalf of who? Peter and behalf of what? The church. Amen? That's when the angel showed up. And when the angel showed up and the light came on and he woke up Peter and his wrist uh, were, were shackled, and, was, and the shackles fell off his wrist. What happened there? It was through passionate prayer. It happened. Amen? If the chains fell off of Peter, and if Peter was set free, what can passionate prayer accomplish in our lives? Amen? None of us here are shackled with, 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 with chains. But I'll tell you what, sin is a bondage, and it will shackle you with chains. But I'll tell you what, God came, and he's speaking into our lives through passion and prayer. We can say, Lord, I am giving you my sin, and I'm asking you to take this bondage, this slavery off me, so you can uh, take the chains of sin off our lives. Amen? And passion and prayer accomplished that. Amen? John 8, 34 says, Jesus replied, very, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is in bondage, whether it be in a ch physical chain, or whether it be with a boundary, or whether it be with some kind of contract. A slave is in bondage, and when we have sin, we are enslaved to sin. We are in bondage to sin. And Peter's prayer saved him from that bondage. It wasn't just a prayer of Peter, though. It was the prayer of the early church that allowed Peter to be set free. What does that tell us? It tells us we have family members that are in bondage. 
tells us that we have a city that's in bondage. It tells us that we have a county that's in bondage. It tells us that we have a state, we know a state, is in bondage. We have a country that is in bondage. It's in bondage, and how are they set free? One of the ways they are set free is through the church praying for that bondage. Be broken for those chains to fall off, for the scales to fall off their eyes, for them to see the real truth. That's where it happens. It's done in the battle of prayer, of passion and prayer for our family members. It might have been a year. It might be two years. It might be 10 years. It may be 50 years that we're praying for them. But it doesn't mean us to stop because I said last week we don't have an answer. We don't stop. We continue moving on in prayer. And we, how do we take the chains off? Through passionate prayer before our Father in heaven. Amen? Our family will be saved through passionate prayer. Our city will be saved through passion and prayer. Our church and the members of our church that are distant members of our church will be saved by the passion and prayer, right? Our co-workers will be saved by the passion and the prayer. Our, 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 our state will be saved from uh, a state, a state, a saved, um, uh, I'm sorry, stripping over my words here, saved from passion, the passion and the prayer. Amen? We're saved by passionate prayer. It's through passion and prayer that the captives are freed. Verse 8 through 10, he says, And the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what, uh, idea that what, I'm sorry, idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guard, and came to the iron gates leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. The fourth thing I want you to see is passionate prayer opens doors. Opens doors. Who needs doors to be open? There's, there's things in my life I need doors to be open. Amen. I need God to work in my life and I need doors to be open. Amen. So the angel told Peter, get dressed, put your sandals on, put your clothes on, get up. We're getting out of this place. And they go and they, 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 the angel takes Peter and they leads him out to the prison. And he, they pass up one, one uh, 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 soldier and they pass up the second soldier. And Peter's sitting there like, am I just like sleepwalking here? What's going on? I don't really believe what's happening. And he came to his iron gate. And on the iron gate, standing there, and Peter walked up to the iron gate with the angel of the Lord, right? And on the other side of the iron gate is what? Freedom. And the inside of the iron gate is the prison. And so he walks over to this gate, and this gate automatically opened up. The, the Bible says, by itself. The gate opened up by itself. Isn't that amazing? The gate opened up by itself. Like there was no, no soldier there to open it up. The angel of the Lord didn't go and open them up. They didn't have a smartphone or a smart device and ask Alexa, can you please open the front gate, right? None of that happened, right? None of that happened. He went to the gate and it was opened up. It opened up, the word says, by itself. This gate physically opened by itself right when Peter and the angel stood there. Can you imagine standing there and the gate just opens up? Just, I mean, you're, you're in a jail and it just opens up. Whatever door is supposed to open up will open up. 
Amen? Let me tell you this. That's a physical door. But that door was not opened up when Peter stood there and waited for that door to open up. That door was opened up through what? Passionate prayer. Amen? That door was opened up passionately through prayer before Peter got to that door. There are doors in our life. There are doors that need to be open, and there are doors that need to be closed. Just be honest. There's doors that need to be closed in our lives. And, and it's a, a, a door that needs to be closed that no man can open, and a door that remains open that no man can shut. Amen? But how is that open? How is that closed? It's done through passionate prayer. Amen? The last thing I want us to see, very interesting, this, this whole conversation, 11 through 16. Says, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutch and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the out, outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. Listen to this, verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Verse 15 says, you're out of your mind, they told her. When they kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Verse 16 says, but Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. The last thing I want you to see about passion and prayer, it produces results. It produces results. It produces results, amen? When, when Peter came to himself, he had no doubt that the Lord rescued him. It produced results. I'll tell you this, I'm here today through passion and prayer for my, my, my mom and my dad who said they would never have children. Passion and prayer. Years and years, doctors at UCLA, some of the finest in the nation said, you never have children, might as well give up and adopt. But through passion and prayer, and prayer works. Amen? Passion and prayer works. It produces results. So he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John. The house of Mary was where everyone was praying. What were they praying for? Peter's what? Release. Okay, remember that. They were praying for Peter's release. How were they praying? Passionately for Peter's release, right? Okay, remember that. So when he gets to this house, he knocks on the door, and this young girl hears Peter's voice. She's so excited. I can't believe it. God answered our prayer. Oh, my goodness. That she leaves Peter at the door with the door closed and runs to tell everybody else who's praying for Peter. Okay? So then he tells everybody, and they, they tell her, you're crazy. Well, wait a minute. What are you praying for then? You ever thought about that? What are you praying for then? What, what are you really praying for if you don't believe that Peter is at the door? You're praying that he can, can make his way to heaven? I mean, what are we praying for? You're praying for his release, right? You're fervently praying, passionately praying. And he's at the door and you tell this young girl that she's crazy because it, it, it's not him. Or maybe it's a guardian angel that took the form and sound and looked just like Peter that's standing at the door knocking. And you want to discount prayer when you were passionately praying for it in the first place? Amen? They were astonished, the word, the word says. 
They, they didn't believe that Peter can be released. I believe that at one point they knew God did it, but they were uncertain if he was going to do it again. But they were praying for it, but I think that they, they were praying without expectancy. Amen? I'll get that in just a second. So verse 16 says, when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Verse 5 tells us that they were earnestly praying. But verse 16 says they were astonished. And I know that, that, that when God does something in our lives, we're astonished by it. But why are we really astonished when we've been praying about it the whole entire time? I think it's because we pray and we know God can, but our level of expectancy is down here compared to uh, what, what needs to be up here. Because what we're doing is we're diminishing God and expectancy of, of God may or may not do it. And I'm not getting my hopes up high. And Well, then you're not really putting your faith in him because your expectancy is down here instead of up here. Amen? I've been there before. I, we pray for something, and, and our expectancy from what we receive from God is down here. And we limit God. And I mentioned earlier when I started the service that God can do whatever he wants. He is God. He can do it. So why doesn't it raise up our level of expectancy? Amen? See, we're astonished just like they. It's God who we're talking about. I'm not talking about man. Man will fail you. You go across the street, city, city hall, they will fail you regarding your requests. They may grant it, but eventually they will fail you. Why? Because they are human beings. This is God who we're talking about, who does not fail us, but our expectancy level is too low. There's a story I came across. You may have heard it. It's an old story. It says this, a story is told of a man who got a, a permit to open the first tavern in a small town. The members of the local church were strongly opposed to the bar. So they began to pray that God would intervene on their behalf. A few days before the tavern was set to, to open, lightning struck it and it burned to the ground. The people of the church were surprised, but they were pleased, uh, but, but pleased until they received the notice that the would-be tavern owner was suing them. He contended that their prayers were responsible for the burning of the building. They denied the charges. At the conclusion of the preliminary hearing, the judge remarked, at this point, I don't know what my decision will be, but it seems that the tavern owner believes in the power of prayer and these church people don't. Right? The, the tavern owner said it was the church's fault because they prayed to God to intervene. And the church backed off and said, wait a minute. I don't know if that's really God. You've asked God to intervene. What do you mean you don't know if it's God? Right? They were surprised but pleased until they got that nice little letter of you're being sued. And then they started backpedaling. I don't think God did that one. But if you ask God to intervene, you better be careful how you pray. Amen. The early church in Acts prayed for Peter's release. And when it happened, they were shocked by it. They were astonished by it. They were floored by it. Why? Because of the level of their expectancy. Amen? Passion and prayer has power. It brings peace. It sets the captives free. It opens doors. And it produces results. Amen? It produces results. This morning, I'm going to have two questions for you. The first one is to examine your prayer life and how we come to, to, to the Father in prayer passionately 
or just mundane? Just what, what, how are we coming and how are we approaching God? Is it with passion? Is it with excitement? Is, is, it, is it with knowing he can do it? And if we're coming with passion in our prayer, are we coming with a high level of expectancy for him to answer? How's our expectancy? Are we coming to God with an expectant heart? Are we coming before him every time we come to worship, every time we come to church, every time we go before the Father in prayer, you know what we need to do? We need to turn up our expectancy. This is God we're talking about. Not Governor Newsom or Donald Trump. This is God we're talking about. It's not our city council or, 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 or Mayor Warren. It is God we're talking about. We need to come with an expectant heart because if we can go to man with an expectancy knowing that they can solve our situation, why are we going to treat God any differently when he's God? Amen? Stand with me as we close in prayer. But it's a powerful, powerful 16 verses. Let's go before the Father in prayer. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, Lord, that we go before you, Lord, with a passion, with a desire, Lord, that, that, we won't, we, that, that we don't even understand, that we just go after you, Lord. Lord, if we would do it to man, Lord, why can't we do it to you, Heavenly Father? And I pray right now, Lord, that, we, that you ignite us, you set the fire, you set the passion, you turn it up in our hearts and in our lives, Heavenly Father. I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we pray, Lord, we know we, that we come to you with an expectant heart, knowing that you can do anything you want. You can solve it, you can fix it, you can take it away, you can add whatever you want, you can do, Lord. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that we, we lift up our expectancy, knowing that we are, are praying to a, a, a true, uh, a, a real, living God, the Alpha and the Omega, the one that has a hand over everything and anything on this planet, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we come to you with expectancy in our hearts, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, allow it to minister to us this week, Heavenly Father. Allow it to minister, Lord, where, where it, when we go before, before you in prayer, Lord, regardless of what it is, morning, day, afternoon, night, middle of the night, whatever it may be, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we pray, Lord, with passion. We pray with expectancy, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you bring it back. You bring the word back to our remembrance, Lord Jesus. Lord, bless us this week, Heavenly Father. Protect us this week, Lord. Keep us safe this week, Heavenly Father, and bring us back next Sunday for another time of worship with you in this place again. Uh, this place next week, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And the church says, amen. amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.